listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What's up, everyone? It's your host, Chris Rosvoglu, and welcome to another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media and Level Water. Level Water is a New Orleans-based alkaline water that goes through 11 stages of purification and is infused with bioavailable minerals like calcium, magnesium, and potassium to deliver superior taste and hydration. Try Level Water today by visiting levelwatercode.com BKM and use our latest code BKM15 for 15% off your first order of water. You're going to like it. Go to Level Water, like I said, try it out and use the code BKM15 for 15% off your first order of water. And it's a busy Monday, a very exciting weekend that we just had. And if you're a Saints fan, you're kind of teetering on the fence as to whether or not you like the draft. But nonetheless, it was entertaining. I'm going to kind of break down the picks I didn't talk about yet. Now, on Friday, I put out an emergency pod at the time to talk about Peyton Turner, what the Saints can maybe expect from him. And what I thought about the pick, and because I did that, I'm not going to go too in-depth on the 28th overall pick for the New Orleans Saints because, frankly, I did a lot of that, and I still actually feel better about the pick now than I did on Friday. And the more I wait and the more I watch and process information about this kid and listen to what other people have to say and watch his tape, you start to realize why the Saints took him. And, and Nick Underhill put out a great little tidbit that, hey, if the Saints didn't take him there... There's a chance he goes in the first round or someone in the second round trades up and takes him fairly early. So there was clearly interest on Peyton Turner. And it kind of goes to show, like I said, the boards from NFL teams and NFL analysts are not often the same. So the draft was fun. If you're a Marvel fan, you got a nice Monday coming out. They dropped a little sizzle reel with old movies and clips of new ones like Eternals and uh, Black Widow and even a little, I guess, poster of all the movies that are coming out like Fantastic Four, hence the shirt I'm wearing right now. A little pumped up for that. So a great Monday, great weather outside as well. The vibes are just good for this Monday. So let's get into it. Let's talk about this NFL draft recap for the New Orleans Saints. Also talk about the undrafted free agency class a little bit because there's three guys in particular I really want to talk about and just kind of go about what I thought and where this team is going for the 2021 season. Because that's, again, what it's all about at the end of the day. So let's talk about the pick after Peyton Turner. And we're going to stick with the names that start with a P. And that is Pete Warner, the linebacker from Ohio State. Now, before I get into what I like about Pete, I just want to tell you guys something. I warned you. I warned you. I warned you. I warned you. I tweeted on Friday morning if JOK is off the board, if Jabril Cox is off the board. Now, Jabril Cox didn't end up getting off the board till the fourth round due to medical concerns. But I said, if those two aren't the options there, Pete Warner from Ohio State, that's the name I'm going to throw out there that the Saints might take. And who do the Saints take? Pete Warner from Ohio State. So what do I like about Pete Warner? For starters, I like the fact that he shoots the gap really well. I think he's an instinctual linebacker who plays against the run well. He sheds blocks well. He will just blow up a run back, uh, running back that's in pass protection. And that's something that the Saints can absolutely use if you're going to use him in a blitz situation and shoot him up the gap. I think Pete Warner is going to be a pretty productive player in that regard. I also really like that he's durable. And why do I say that? The Saints have had durability issues at that position. You look at a Quan Alexander. You look at an Alex Anzalone. You look around, even Caden Ellis, there are guys that just haven't been durable. And I think with a Pete Werner who's been durable throughout his career with the Buckeyes, I think you're going to be pretty comfortable with what you got from that guy. Now, the flip side, what do I not like about the pick? For starters, his Bama tape is brutal. And again, let's be fair, no one had good tape against Bama this year. It was just an onslaught of great offense from that program. However, you would like to see a little bit more when you're playing the best athletes you want to see. What can Pete Werner do in that environment? 
didn't think it was that great. Now, what also maybe concerns me a little bit, and this is really, you could say I'm nitpicking. I don't think I am. I think it's just what my eyes tell me. So Pete Werner runs a four, five, six at his pro day, which is fantastic for a linebacker. You want that type of speed. However, when you watch him on film and you guys should watch and let me know, do you agree? Do you disagree with it? I don't think he plays at that speed. Like your game speed and your 40 speed can be two completely different things. There's some guys that play fast on film and then you check their 40 time. You're like, wait, you sure about that? Like he looks faster. And now for Pete, it's the other way around. He actually looks slower on tape than he would for his 40 time. That being said, he checks off a lot of athletic measurements. And with the relative athletic score, which is something that the Saints were using for about every prospect in this year's draft, that's interesting because he does check off a lot of those boxes. And you know, okay, the broad jump is good. The vertical is good. The 40 is good. The three cone solid. And then you look around, you're like, okay, this is why the Saints like him. So it's a hard-nosed linebacker who probably will be best in two-down situations for now, and I don't know if he will end up becoming that three-down linebacker, but I think it's interesting. As for the Saints' vision, Sean said, and I quote, we feel like he plays the run and pass equally well, and so he'd be an end. Pete Werner is someone we saw position flex with. We'll probably start him out at will. He's someone that can play will to Mike, but certainly a stacker inside linebacker, but we're in so much sub-defense, he'll be playing one of those two spots competing in one of those two spots at either Will or Mike. So you see the plan. They got a vision. Now can they hit on a position that they haven't really hit at all? That's a concern. And I saw some people really didn't like the pick. And I find it really interesting. And I'm not here to just, you know, start subbing people. That's not my style. It's just us in general. And I'm lumping myself in this group. We love to harp on a pick because it's not our guy who we liked in this process. And we liked their tape. And we thought they looked flashy. Because there was two names that people said, oh, I'd rather have him than Pete Werner. It was Jabril Cox and it was Dylan Moses. Well, I don't even think Dylan Moses got drafted, undrafted rookie free agent. And then you have Jabril Cox who slips to the fourth round to the Dallas Cowboys. So why are we only ripping the Saints for doing this when every other team was passing on these guys? I just think it's a little unfair. And I think it just, again, goes to show teams have different opinions and visions for players than fans do. You know, just because we like what Jabril Cox does at LSU and he was a fantastic player in that one year with them, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's all, all of a sudden going to translate to the pros and a team sees him the same way. Clearly, they did not. So I think it's fascinating. Now, you got to just bank that for once the Saints get a linebacker right. And it's a tricky subject. That's why, honestly, whoever they took at linebacker, I would have been a little suspect on. They could have taken my guy, JOK, and I would have said, hey, do they have the right scheme fit for him? And that's a fair question. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Pete Werner. I like the pick way more than I hate it. I don't even hate the pick at all. I've watched enough Ohio State to know that this kid could be a James Laurinaitis 2.0. And I'm not talking Saints James Laurinaitis. I'm talking Rams James Laurinaitis, a guy who is great against the run, high energy, could be a good leader on the defense. And he's not going to be a star player at any point in his career. However, can he be a good role player? And I think the Saints can have a good role player next to Demario Davis. That's all you need. You don't need Demario to have his co-star. It would be nice. You all want that Levante, David, Devin White combination. However, Quan's hurt. He's not on the team at the moment. Could they bring in Quan and have Quan and Pete Werner kind of be that supporting role to, to Demario? Okay, if that's the case. Let's see this in action. For now, I think it helps to get a guy who maybe his ceiling isn't high, but his floor isn't low. And I think that's important for me. I think the Saints are going to get a little baseline there with Pete Warner. So I like the pick. 
don't necessarily love it, but I like the pick. I thought the value was certainly fine. People who I trust said they had him ranked as the 66th, 66th best prospect. You get him at 60. It's technically the same value in my mind. I, I don't, I don't think that's a problem. I think he will be a starter this year. The only issue with that pick, the only issue is the saints told you something very clear. Zach Bond ain't it. It's, it's something we have to come to terms with, come to grips with and accept that this guy is just not what the saints envision he'd be. It sucks to say, but that's the truth. And we'll see what happens with Zach Bond. Maybe you turn him into a hybrid, maybe use him as a pass rusher because the saints drafted him to play something he's not necessarily great at. He was really good at being that Kyle Van Noy rushed the pasture a little bit, dropping coverage a little bit, give you a little bit of both worlds and it works out. Saints, however, was like, all right, we're turning this guy into linebacker and that is not his game. And now it looks like a waste of a third round pick. So we'll see what happens with Pete Werner. I wish him all the best. I think he's going to do well. And we see, we'll see what happens from there. Now, the Saints didn't stop picking up talented defensive players on day two. They picked up Paulson Adebo from Stanford, traded up, used their two third rounders to move up into that said round and get him at pick 76. And Paulson Adebo, before I get into this, hey, shout out to my man, Ross Jackson. That is his guy. We all have guys in this prospect who fall in love with their team. Paulson Adebo was that guy for Ross Jackson. So I'm sure Ross was probably jumping for joy when that pick was announced. And the Saints got a pretty good player in Paulson Adebo. This is a guy who's a playmaker on the ball. He is a ball hawk in every sense of the word. He's got ideal size. He can play that press coverage. You can really use him both zone and man. I think if the Saints are smart with him, maybe use him as his own uh, corner for now. I think that they could get some good usage out of him. The interesting thing about Paulson, and this is if you're a Saints fan, you're intrigued. Had he not opted out, or had he been able to go in last year's draft, he would have gone higher than where he went this year. He opted out. The Pac-12 was tricky. They waited forever to restart their season, or basically start it anyway. And it was tough. It was it was really tough for a guy like that to make a decision because it's like, okay, if we're not playing till November and we're not going to make the playoff anyway, is it worth it when you know that you are a top three-round talent like Paulson Adebo, who, by the way, has about 27 pass breakups in just two seasons of play? That is just Amazing. Amazing. With eight interceptions, he's a ball hawk. He's what you want. Ball's in the air. He's going to make a play. I think for, for Paulson, though he can be inconsistent with the right coaching, with a Chris Richard, who, by the way, as history coach in Stanford DBs, I'm just saying Richard Sherman worked out pretty well. I think this is a really intriguing fit. He's going to got a chance to compete. Sean already said he'll have a chance to compete for a starting job, although he wouldn't rule out signing a free agent. And we'll see where it goes from there. We really will see, but I think it's really fascinating that the Saints traded up for him. I think they thought the value was really good, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them one bit. I love the Paulson Debo move, and I think with what the Saints did in the first three rounds, I'll tell you one thing, they're restocking a defense that lost a lot of talent. And with the Saints, we said, wait, you know, the cap didn't kill them, but they lost a lot of that key depth that made them such a good team for the last four years. Well, you lose Janoris Jenkins, in comes Paulson Debo. You lose Trey Hendrickson, in comes Peyton Turner, and Snow Passigno. You lose a linebacker like Quan Alexander, you add Pete Werner. So the Saints have tried to restock that depth. Whether or not the moves work, we have to wait. The only time will tell and give us that answer. But they have restocked that depth, and that's great to see. So the Saints actually, in terms of roster depth, it looks good on the depth chart. We just have to see how it plays out. So I'm not too worried about that. Now, it wasn't until round four that the Saints finally went offense and you would have thought they grab you a receiver that we all wanted to see into this offense. No, it is Ian Book, the cornerback from Notre Dame. And this is probably the guy I want to talk about the most on this podcast. And a lot of people 
are going to give you ultra negative in book takes today. And they are going to rip this pick to shreds and say it was a waste of a pick. And maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. But that's not going to be me. And I'm not going to be disgustingly optimistic either. What I'm going to do is talk about the pros and cons to this kid and why I'm not necessarily going to just shoot down the pick like everyone else. Do I think it was a good pick on the surface? No. And I tweeted it. I watched so much Ian Book over the course of my, my life. And for those who don't know, for what my work with the Spun, in terms of covering sports, the pro, like the primary sport that I cover is college football. And one of the primary teams that we have on our list in terms of watching and, and covering what they do is Notre Dame. And Ian Book, to me, was always that really good college quarterback that you just don't know if he can make it pro because maybe his arm's not as strong or maybe the decision-making won't carry over. And that was my concern. Well, he's a fourth-round pick, and he's on your Saints roster now, so you have no other choice but to root for the kid. So what do I like about Ian Book? What I like about Ian Book are some things that I just don't think you can teach. And I don't think you can teach toughness. The kid's got it. I don't think you could teach leadership. He's got that in spades. That's probably his best quality. And I know you guys are going to roll your eyes and say, man, you can't tell me a quarterback's best quality is leadership. Then I don't want to hear it because that's not good. And I'd agree with you in some capacity. You don't want your off-field traits to be your best traits. But the kid is a leader. He's a leader in every sense of the word. As soon as he stepped on the field for Notre Dame, he took over that starting job. And it was his till the very moment he graduated. And I think that speaks volumes. And for him to be a two-time captain, that's also important to me. What I like in terms of on-field play, I really like what he can do off script. I really, really like that. I'm not here to sell you on Ian Book. I don't know if he's going to be anything more than a Chase Daniel in this league. And if he is, that's a good career to have. Chase Daniel's making a lot of money, not seeing the field much, but he's a very, very competent backup. And there is no shame in being a Chase Daniel. So if that's what happens with Ian Book, great. But I really like his off script plays. And I'm sure that's what actually impressed Sean too. For Ian, when the play breaks down and there's nothing there, He's got a pretty good shot at making something out of nothing. And that's something that he made a career out of at a Notre Dame. And what cracks me up is some certain people were like, man, Ian Book was so bad that certain Notre Dame receivers didn't get drafted as high as they should. Not true. Not true at all. There are some cases where quarterbacks are so bad at the college level that they hurt their, their prospects. For example, Marquez Calloway with a competent quarterback at Tennessee would have been drafted, but Jared Guadantano was not good. So as a result, he didn't get drafted. Ian Book, in terms of college production, was a hell of a player. In fact, if you look at Ian Book's college career and you put it side by side with Dak Prescott's college career, they're basically the same quarterback. Ian Book, 72 touchdowns, 20 picks, 8,948 uh, yards passing. And then he has over 1,000 yards rushing with an extra 17 scores on the ground. The kid is a dual threat quarterback in every sense of the word. And the funny thing is, when he had to chase Claypool, and you have all the pieces there, 34 touchdowns, six picks. That's a pretty good season for college football, especially with your Notre Dame and you're playing every good team from every conference. I think that matters. So I like what Ian can do off script. I think he's a way better athlete than people give him credit for. What is the knock? Well, he's six foot, kind of like a Drew Brees. His arm isn't that strong. Sometimes he, he can't make the throw that you want him to. Those are concerns. But when he plays on schedule, I mean, he's making plays off script. You like that. And in terms of concerns, I'll throw in another. He does leave a clean pocket a little bit too much for my liking. And that is something that you don't want to see. So if you plug in Ian book tape, you'll see sometimes the pocket's good. And Notre Dame has an excellent O-line. He just kind of breaks down. And you're like, oh, well, you got to be a little bit more comfortable in that situation, especially if you're going to play in the Sean Payton offense, all about timing, all about rhythm. That's important for me. So why did I bring up Dak Prescott? First off, no. 
I'm not saying he is Dak Prescott because goddamn Dak Prescott's one of the best quarterbacks in this NFL. And I wish that the, the Cowboys didn't sign him. So this man could go get what he's worth for a team that always saw his worth. And unfortunately that wasn't the case. I'm glad he got his contract though. Ian will not be Dak Prescott. Not at all. But Ian like Dak, a fourth round pick. Ian like Dak, a guy who people said, really a college quarterback is going to need a hell of a lot of development and entering a weird situation. Dak entered a situation where you knew Roma was good, but you knew Roma couldn't stay healthy. Ian's now entering a situation where, hell, do we know if any quarterback on this roster is good? No. And no, Ian Book is not going to start this year. I feel very confident about that. However, if if Sean Payton is going to make it work, I would not be as surprised as other people because there are qualities to Ian Book that he liked. And the fact that Drew Brees did kind of give his stamp of approval, I think that matters to Sean. And I'm not saying that Ian Book is going to be a starter. All I'm saying is, for people who said they burnt a fourth-round pick, the Saints do not have a quarterback on their roster today that I can confidently tell you can lead this team to success. Don't give me the Taysom Hill crap. Don't give me the Jameis Winston crap. Until they show me it, then I will agree. They haven't shown us anything in the black and gold to tell me that either one's a starter. So until you have that, you take your swings, you take your shots, and you try to figure out if you can get a quarterback on this roster today that can solve that issue. And until you solve that issue, you're in the quarterback market, my friends. And when you're in the quarterback market, you sign a guy there, you draft a guy there, you get every possible option in the fucking building till you figure it out. So you want to rip the in book pick? Fine. Let's go through last year's fourth round and let's see if any of these players really made a difference. So let's look through the fourth round. And I'm looking right now Maybe Troy Pride for the Panthers made a couple of plays. And Legereus Sneed, that is the only guy, in my opinion, Legereus Sneed from last year's fourth round that was worth a damn this season. He was really good with the Kansas City Chiefs. But outside of that, nothing. And if you think it's just a one year, okay, let's go to 2019. Outside of CeeDee Deuce and Max Crosby, every fourth round pick from the 2019 draft is a bench warmer at this point in their career. And that's two years down the road. Fourth round is a crapshoot, guys. So if you take a quarterback, go ahead. And there's a good chance it's not going to work. Probably an 80% chance it's not going to work. But if you give me that 15 to 20% chance that it does work, I'm shooting my shot every single time. Because like I said, you don't have a proven commodity at quarterback on your roster. And I think Jameis can really improve. I really do. And I think Jameis will start. But Jameis needs to show that he could cut down on the turnovers in Sean Payton's system, which we're hoping he can. Until that day comes. That's a question mark. Taysom Hill, I, we saw enough in four games to know that he is not the quarterback of the future. Well, Chris, how do you know this? Your quarterback of the future can't be a guy who can't run the two-minute drill. That's an issue. And he can't run the two-minute drill at all. No urgency, no ability to get up to the line, get everyone set, and make those sharp, quick throws. Taysom can't do that. That's not Taysom Hill. So I don't think he's the starter either for the future. Do I think Ian Book's the starter? No. Do I think maybe there is that 10% chance that Sean can mold this kid into something that's worth a damn in his offense? Possibly. And again, I didn't like Ian Book's tape. I didn't think Ian Book was an NFL caliber quarterback. But man, there's guys in this league that I never thought were really going to amount to anything. And they did. Goddamn, Taysom Hill was supposed to amount to nothing. Wasn't drafted. Just a BYU prospect who was fun, but wasn't going to be anything. And he's in the NFL. And he's making money. And maybe that's not the best comparison because Taysom's not a pro-style quarterback. However, it just goes to show if you have the right work ethic and you're in the right system and you have certain tools that can be used to your potential to maximize that, you might be worth something. And if you guys are going to have 
any time to spend today and you're curious, well, what is Ian Book going to give me? Or what is the best thing I can do in terms of wanting to watch Ian Book? You can go on YouTube. You can get the full Clemson-Notre Dame game from this past season. And if you don't want to watch the whole thing, go to the last minute and a half. Notre Dame's down seven against the number one team in the country. And Ian Book, from his own 10, brings him down the field to tie the game. And I'm not saying one drive is going to sell you. I'm saying if you need something to be optimistic on this Monday, that would be the drive that I would watch because it's a drive that impressed a lot of people. And don't give me any of this crap that Notre Dame quarterbacks can't play in the playoff. The whole Notre Dame team sucks in the playoff. You're going to blame the one guy? Not going to have it. And I'm not, I'm not here to get all defensive over Ian Book, okay? Because pun intended, the book is open on this guy. We don't know anything yet. And until we do, then we can close the book. But for now, give the guy a chance. I think it adds a little intrigue to this preseason because what if he does play well in preseason? Maybe next year, maybe 2022, he's the backup. Or 2022, he's competing for a starting role. You never know. You got to give these things time. If I went back, and I did, to go see when Dak got drafted, the immediate comments were, well, we don't mind the pick, but he's going to need to do a lot of work before he becomes a starter. But he can be a starter in this league. Okay, Dak started that first year, and the Cowboys made the divisional round. Like, I'm not saying Ian Book is going to start and make the division run. I'm just saying analysts miss. Me, I miss. People miss all the time. And the fourth round, you're usually drafting guys that aren't going to be on your roster in four years from now. Might as well take a shot on the quarterback till you know you got that position right. So I maybe went a little bit over with that rant, but so many people on Twitter. And if the shoe fits, the shoe fits. Then wear the shoe. But so many people on Twitter are just ripping Ian Book and saying, well, why do we need a quarterback? Until you have a quarterback on your roster that you know is going to be your week one to week 17 guy that is going to start all those games and give you consistent position uh, play at the most uh, important position in sports, you got to take chances. You got to. And if you think Ian Book is the next Garrett Grayson, man, I got some land I could sell to you because Garrett Grayson was solid at Colorado State. Ian Book was good at Notre Dame. There's a difference. The players are different. I never once thought Garrett Grayson was good, and Garrett Grayson fell out of the league quick. Ian Book's athletic enough. He could probably turn himself into another type of player, maybe a, I don't know, maybe a slot. Who the hell knows? If all, worst comes to worst, the kid said he's going to come. He's going to play whatever position they want him to play. He's going to do whatever he can to help the team win. That's going to be quarterback for now. If Sean and Drew see something, I would take their opinion. And if they're wrong, they're wrong. What's the worst you did? You burnt a fourth-round pick? We've burnt plenty of fourth-round picks. Does Rick Leonard ring a bell, guys? Rick Leonard. I don't even know what the hell Rick Leonard's doing now, but it sure ain't playing football. I can tell you that much. So you're going to burn a fourth-round pick. Might as well burn it on a quarterback. And if it works, goddamn, the value's great. You got a guy on a cheap salary. And, man, Sean's looking like a genius. And if it doesn't work, well, it's a fourth-round pick. What do you expect from him? And I'll tell you much, I'd rather use a fourth-round pick on Ian Book than a second-round pick on Kyle fucking Trask. And that's the truth. And everyone's going to have different opinions, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to sit here today, and I'd rather be positive and take a shot on a damn quarterback in a round that who the hell knows what you're getting at that position. Now, let's move forward. Let's kind of move past this whole Ian Book situation because a lot of people were way too negative. Like, man, I'm no Ian Book fan. But let's just see. 
they haven't played a damn down and everyone's ready to say the Saints are the worst draft in recent history. Like, get the hell out of here. That, that shit cracks me up. Now, let's move to the sixth round. Landon Young, an all-SEC performer, offensive tackle, played left tackle for the Kentucky Wildcats. Saints think they could use him at right. Let's see what happens. I think from what I've heard and from what I've seen, he's a good athlete. The Saints can mold him into a backup early in his career, which would be great. I, I think for people who complained, you should always take O-lineman in the draft. Always. At any point every year, take an offensive lineman. They're, at some point, this is going to hit. And for the Saints, it hits more times than it doesn't. More times than it doesn't, it hits. And with Landon Young, I think worst case, you can mold this guy into backup. Best case scenario, hell, maybe this guy's starting one day when Teron Armstead's done with the black and gold. So I think for the Saints to get a two-time All-SEC offensive tackle in the building with great athletic measurements in the sixth round, I think you're doing something right. And with Landon, again, when it's a six-round pick, if he becomes a backup, awesome value. If he becomes a starter, that is priceless for what you paid. Priceless. So I like the idea with Landon Young. We'll get him in the building, see what he can do. I think the Saints are going to have a vision for all their offensive linemen, and you always need to upgrade in the trenches. How many times do we sit here and we see Pete get hurt or we see Armstead get hurt? You need depth, guys. So now you got Young in the building with Hurst. You got Clap. You have options if you're the Saints. You have backup options. God forbid someone goes down. And I think the Saints did a good job there. Now, the last pick that I'm going to talk about is Kawan Baker because he was their last pick, South Alabama wide receiver. And throughout the draft, me and about every other Saints fan was like, man, draft a receiver. Why aren't they drafting a receiver? And the Saints said, here, God damn it, take a receiver in the seventh round. You freaking ungrateful bastards. But for real. That's what they did. That's what it felt like. But Kwan Baker, you put in the tape, and man, the Saints got something with this kid. This is a seventh-round prospect who is going to give you great production in the slot if used the right way. And you can use him on end-arounds. You can use his athletic gifts. I posted a couple of ones where he's catching the ball over the middle. He takes a hit, bounces off the tackler, and gets an extra 20 yards. The Saints have been missing a slot receiver. The last slot receiver we had who was productive, that's Willie Sneed. Saints legend Willie Sneed, that be. And to get Baker in there, I think he's making the 53-man roster, and I know you're probably sitting here on May 3rd. How the hell are you going to say that? But the Saints don't got a lot of talent at wide receiver. I'll tell you that much. At least a lot of unproven guys. So if you tell me the room is Michael Thomas, Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway, Deontay Harrison, Kwan Baker, I'm going to agree with you because I think Baker's going to beat out those these you know the constant training camp gods that we like, like you know your little Jordan Humphreys. I think Kwan Baker could beat them out, and what really speaks volumes about Quan Baker, and I think this is something that unfortunately we see a lot, and I kind of talked about it with the Ian Book thing before, Quan Baker had 12 different quarterbacks in South Alabama. 12. Like, this is not a typo. 12. How are you supposed to get some type of consistency with constant change of the quarterback position? How are you supposed to be a top prospect or a better prospect than what you might have gone if you don't have a quarterback who can get you the football on time, in rhythm, please? I mean, wide receivers, it's funny because as talented as they are, they can be useless if they don't have a good quarterback because someone has to throw them the football. So, Quan Baker, man, you go from 12 quarterbacks to going into an NFL room in Sean Payton's system, and granted, there is a lot to not like about Jameis, but, man, the, the, the kid could spin it. So, this is an upgrade, and we'll see. I think the Saints have a plan for Quan Baker, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. So, I'm excited for him. You add a wide receiver. And drafting him in the seventh round, that, for me, 
means that the Saints really like this kid because usually if, if it's a receiver who the Saints think they can just get a new DFA, they'll do that, and they'll get them as undrafted free agent, and it'll be gone. But if the Saints take him in the seventh round, I think that tells me they liked him a little bit more, and they got a vision. So we'll see what happens. I really do like that pick, though. Checked in with a couple of South Alabama alums to see what they said. They love the kid, so we'll see if he does what we all think he can do, and it's going to be interesting. So I really, really like that that pick for the Saints. Overall, the draft, I'm not going to grade this draft. They haven't played it down. I'm not grading it. You want me to go back and grade the 2018 draft, and I'll sit here and tell you I give it a D, and you want me to grade the 2017 draft, and I'll tell you it's an A+. We can do that all day, but I'm not going to grade a draft where these kids haven't played a damn down. These kids haven't gotten an off-season rep in with the Saints. I'm supposed to grade these kids? That's unfair, but what I can tell you is the Saints address their defense. They addressed a linebacker. They addressed a corner. They addressed a defensive end. They addressed quarterback, which is a need. They addressed a wide receiver, and they addressed offensive line. The Saints addressed every need I wanted them to except for one, and that one need was tight end and slash running back. Just get one of those guys that didn't do it. Now, they did in in undrafted free agency, which is fine. I'll talk about one guy in particular. But for me, I'm I'm very okay with what the Saints did in this draft. I think in terms of defense, they restocked, and that was important. In terms of offense, they added enough. And when I mean enough, they added enough in the sense that, all right, you did get a receiver. You did get another O-lineman. To get another quarterback. And if one of those hits, that's great value because you took them on day three. So I like the Saints draft more than a lot of other people do. A lot of other people are going to sit here today and give you these negative takes nonstop. And you're going to be like, all right, I can't do this negativity. But I do like this draft. And it's not me just being a blind optimist. There's a lot of players on this on this Saints team now who I liked. Now, did I have a, a round two grade on Peyton Turner? Yes. But man, let me see what the Saints do with these kids before I sit here and start grading guys that haven't played a damn down in this league. So let's get to undrafted free agency. I'm not going to go through the whole class. If you want the whole class, the Saints listed it up right now on their site. They got about 11 players. But I want to talk about two that I really like. And I'll throw in Josiah Bronson real quick just to tell you that he is a strong man and the Saints can use a defensive tackle so he could make the roster. But two I want to talk about. Trill Williams from Syracuse. Dylan Sainer from Iowa State. Dylan Sainer... First off, love the guy. Had a chance to talk with him in April. He is, he just loves football. He just loves football. He's a, he's a Saints fan, actually. And funny enough, when I was interviewing him, I was like, hey, man, you know, who's that guy for you? If you could catch a touchdown pass for someone, who's the guy? And he's like, hey, funny enough, you hit me up because I'm a Saints fan and I missed Drew Brees by a year. And man, he did miss Drew Brees by a year because if you look at the contract the Saints gave him, you look at the position he plays, he's a primary blocking tight end at 6'8". Saints are going to keep him on the roster. I, I feel very confident that Dylan's going to make the roster. He missed it by a year catching the pass from Drew Brees, but that was funny. But he, he is a tough-nosed player, great blocker, sure hands when throwing the ball his way. And he told me, I think I can do more as a receiver. And he feels like Iowa State kind of limited in that capacity because Iowa State also had another great tight end on the roster in addition to him. So he had to share those targets. So I think Dylan's ceiling is decent for an undrafted guy. I think the Saints will find something for him and he could be your Josh Hill 2.0, but bigger. Doesn't mean better, but bigger. And because he's bigger, you could use him in the red zone and there's packages the Saints could find out. But I think Dylan's going to make this team. They gave him a lot of guaranteed money for an undrafted kid. And there's a lot to like about him. And he said when he had his pro day, the Saints worked him out a lot. Saints put him through a lot of drills and he said the Saints like what they saw. So clearly they did. And he wasn't kidding because the Saints went and they signed him. So I want to see what Dylan does. 
I'm going to hit Dylan up, see if I get him on the podcast so you guys can get to know him a little bit more. But he is a great guy, and I think Saints fans are going to love him. And True Williams, versatility is the name of the game with True Williams. If you want him in, you want him out, you want him safety, you want him slot, throw the guy wherever the hell you want at Syracuse, and he was making plays. And True Williams, from people I trusted, and and I really like the, the um, I think they're called Draft Network. They had him ranked as the 90th best prospect in this draft. Now, people miss. I said it before. I miss. They miss. Anyone misses. But they had him 90th. He didn't get drafted. A lot of people thought he would, along with his teammates, Andre Sisko and Fatu Melifonwu, because that secondary played really, really well for the Orange. And he just doesn't get drafted. And I don't understand. It's not a character concern. I checked in with Syracuse people. It's not a character concern at all. I wonder if people were just not sure where they'd fit him in their scheme. And maybe they thought he wasn't just going to be able to take that next step, athletically speaking. But I think for the Saints, you get an undrafted kid who everyone had at minimum a day three grade on everyone. ESPN, Bleach Report, NFL Network, anyone had a day three grade on him. And you get him in, in an undrafted class, that's pretty good value for the Saints. So I wouldn't be shocked if Trill all of a sudden becomes your P.J. Williams replacement down the line. And if you can get a P.J. Williams out of Trill Williams as an undrafted kid, that's tremendous value, guys. Because I think sometimes you have to understand not only do you want your players to be good, they want to give him longevity. Like, we make fun of P.J. Williams. He's been on the Saints for a while now. And yeah, he makes a lot of bad plays, but he makes enough good plays and enough sure plays that the Saints live with it. And when you can do that in the NFL, you're going to have a career. So we'll see what happens with True Williams. I really like his versatility. He is a playmaker in every sense of the word. And if the Saints can develop him properly, along with Paulson Adebo, you get two athletic DBs in this class. We've been saying for them to, to fix the secondary, so can't really complain when they do. So as a whole, that's the same class that I like to talk about. There, there's six picks, and then Trill Williams and Dalen Sayner are the guys from Undrafted who I really like, and we'll see what happens there. But overall, guys, I'm okay with what the Saints did. You want to sit there and bask in misery? Go ahead. But I, I really do like what they did, and I think that the Saints, time will tell. Time will honestly tell. But... When, Saints, when the Saints draft a guy who I watch in college and I don't like, I'm going to just be blown with it, and I'll say it. Like, you know, for example, with Ian Book, I didn't think he was an NFL quarterback, but we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see what happens. I've whiffed more times than I've hit probably when it comes to looking at draft prospects, and it's a really tough business, and you don't know until you get them in your scheme and see if they can work. And for example, while I didn't like Ian Book, guys, I loved Zach Bond as a prospect. Zach Bond's about a year away from being on another NFL team. So it's just funny, and it goes to show that you never know in this business. There's a lot of unpredictability of the NFL, and there's a lot of unknown. And if you're comfortable with the unknown, you'll be okay. But I really like what the Saints did in this draft. They addressed a lot of needs. And I think that with Baker, with Turner, with Werner, with Adebo, even with Landon Young, I think you got guys that can either be backups or starters on this team. I think the first three will be starters. I think the, the other two will be backups. The, the backups, I mean... Landon Young and Quan Baker. And with Ian Book, let's see. If he plays well in preseason, guys, we're going to have an interesting conversation about the Saints and evaluating quarterbacks because Sean loves this kid. He loves him. Now, Sean loved a lot of quarterbacks, and sometimes it doesn't work, but we'll see. If Ian Book gives us some preseason intrigue, that'd be fun to watch. So we'll see what happens. I'm interested to see what you guys have to say about this draft class. If you guys like it, let me know on Twitter. If you don't, let me know as well. Judging off the comments I got throughout this weekend, you guys don't like it. But if I gave you any type of optimism and I gave you any type of relief, any type of therapy that the Saints and the physical damage and emotional damage they do to us, then I'm glad. But I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. It's a beautiful Monday here for me in New York, and I'm sure it is for you guys down in New Orleans. And I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of the week. If anything happens, like a free agent signing, I will be back on the Straight Up Saints podcast 
to break it down. But until then, I'm going to be working on getting us some more guests for the show and seeing what happens from there. So enjoy the rest of your week, guys, and stay tuned for more content in the very future on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.